Good morning, South Point family. It's JD, and I'm here today to share with you my fireside story. When I think back on Christmas and Christmas memories, um, a, an object comes to mind, um, and it just happens to be a Hawaiian flower lei. Um, one of my favorite Christmas movies is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And there's a scene in the movie where the dad, Clark Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, uh, is going to get a Christmas bonus. And it's an awesome point, and the whole family gets really excited, and he says, with this bonus, I'm going to put in a pool. And then all the family gets really excited, and he says, and I'm going to fly you all out to enjoy the pool. And there's one character in the family, Cousin Eddie, that... Um, Clark is having a vision late at night of what the pool might look like with the family outside. And all of a sudden you hear the Hawaiian Christmas song, Melekaliki Maka, playing in the background. And Cousin Eddie comes out in a wife beater tank top and a leopard speedo and these swimming fins and this snorkel. And he's like the village idiot of the family. Um, and it's a scarring experience for uh, Clark when he thinks of Eddie being part of that. But the reason that I chose this um, this flower lay is because um, my entire family is Cousin Eddie. Um, every single Christmas is, is it's just filled with craziness and it's filled with people saying things that they might not have thought through. And you know, you throw in some of them are drinking holiday spirits too much and it's just people are laughing and cutting up and it's crazy and there might be a fight or two break out in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner or, um, you know, somebody screaming at grandma for burning the rolls or whatever it is. And I just, the thing that I've always learned about Christmas is that it's not a Norman Rockwell painting. At least in my family, it's not. And I know that a lot of other people's families, it's not either. Um, it's crazy. It's, it's loud. It's dirty. It's um, overindulgence. It's, it's just, it's laughter. It's crying. It's fun. It's, it's just, it's us. And um, now that I'm an adult, and I think back of the Christmases that we had, even the Christmases that we still do when we go and visit them, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it reminds me of kind of like the first Christmas. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't high church and stained glass. It was a, a teenage mom that had never had a kid before. It was the smell of manure in the background. It was cows and donkeys and sheep and just mooing and neighing and you know the whole nine yards and these scraggly shepherds are coming and you know Joseph had never been a dad before and it was it was in a barn you know it was the bed of the Messiah was a feed trough and if the first Christmas doesn't have to be perfect and pretty and smell good and peaceful my Christmas doesn't have to be either for us to remember what Christmas is really about and um, to celebrate Jesus' birth. 
And so that's, that's my fireside story. That line, my entire family is Cousin Eddie. If you're a good holiday person, you know that National Lampoon Christmas Vacation is the best Christmas movie. Amen. Based on Christmas themes, the best Christmas movie is still Die Hard. So I'm with that. Yeah, <laughs> got, got that out of the way. It's going to be a good morning. So, man, this time of year, we do. We try and put so much planning into things and everything. We try and make it so prim and perfect. And like, if you're someone like my mom and she's probably going to watch this later, like her ability to wrap presents is a scientific thing of beauty and artwork and it's just got to be perfect. And I've always just said, we're just going to rip the thing open. Why? But we do, we put all these plans into our Christmas season and trying to make things right. And then the reality is (coughs) there's just a lot of crazy that happens this time of year, right? Like, you've got all the hustle and bustle. Like, you're going to go shopping, and man, there's traffic. I'll, I'll never forget when we lived in Oklahoma, the, the city of Tulsa is laid out on a very perfect grid. And 71st Street is really, really popular. Lots of restaurants. That's where the mall is at. And I remember times the mall line would literally be a mile down the road onto the highway. And it's like, I don't want to be any part of that. <laughs> like, my blood pressure is going to be through the roof. Or you get around other people. He mentioned family. I don't know if you have some crazy family members. If you don't, it's you. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget one family get-together. And I had a cousin. I don't, I don't think he's in the family anymore. Um, he kept making trips out to his car because there was a cooler out there. And uh, he kept getting louder as the night went on. And it culminated with him telling some story about a cat scratching a chair. And he impersonated the cat by throwing himself under the chair that my mom was sitting in and scratching the bottom of it. I mean, that's, that's the level of craziness that can happen when family are involved. And then there's sometimes it's just, these are difficult seasons. Like I've got friends that Every Christmas, every December 25th, they have a different reminder because it was the day one of my best friends passed away. And it brings a whole different sense of craziness into the season. And like J.D. talked about, today as we look at what we call the first Christmas when, when Christ was born, it was anything but normal. It was not, I use the term sometimes, half a cup of crazy. Man, the cup overfloweth on this Christmas. And so today we're going to just see how do these people respond to this level of craziness. And we're going to start... In Matthew chapter 1, you can follow along on the screens or in your Bible if you like. We're going to be in verse 18 to start with. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
to kind of give some context and so we kind of understand the magnitude of what is going on when Matthew writes about this, you have to understand the Jewish marriage process. It looks a little different than ours. Um, this is a very ancient culture, and you would have three phases in order to be married. The first one was an actual engagement. Um, we get engaged today, but these engagements were often prearranged um, by parents, which seems crazy to us, but in this culture, it was just the, the norm. And so you would kind of look around and go, hey, that, that family, yeah, they're not, they're not as crazy as that family. You got a daughter, I got a son. All right, let's marry them in a couple years. And it probably hopefully had a little more process to it, but it kind of went down like that. And so you had this engagement. There wasn't anything legally binding during that time, but it was between typically some young people. And then you entered into what was known as a betrothal stage. This is where it became a legal issue. You were betrothed to that person that you were engaged to for one year. During that time, you were referred to as husband and wife. That's why Matthew uses some of this language, and he says his wife. We hadn't been married yet, but he's in this betrothal stage, a year-long period where legally you were married. You just didn't know each other yet. Um, I think we get know each other. Um, and so during this time where Joseph doesn't know Mary in that way, they start noticing something. Oh, you're going to have a baby. And this is an unbelievably taboo thing in this culture. Young girls just didn't have babies out of wedlock. And it was a point where it was a punishable crime. Um, Joseph could have had her killed. But I love that scripture tells us, we don't know a ton about Joseph, but we know he had a pretty good upbringing, at least in the fact that he said, you know what, I'm going to do a respectable thing and he said, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Legally, he was going to have to divorce her because legally they were married in this sense. They just hadn't had their wedding ceremony yet. That came a year after the betrothal period. And so this is a really, really crazy moment for this young guy. Here's a young man who, he's probably known Mary his entire life. And he's known, this is the person that I'm going to marry. And then they go into this betrothal stage where there's a lot of anticipation. Man, in one year, we're going to have a wedding ceremony and we're husband and wife and then he finds out she's pregnant. That's a lot for a young man to take into account. And yes, it's a respectful thing that he didn't have her killed. And he said, I'm going to divorce her quietly. But then one night, it says, but he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So one night, as this guy's going through just an absolute upheaval of his social life, he goes to bed, and you know that Joseph has a lot on his mind. Like, you know those times where you've just got so much stuff you're trying to process, so much stuff you're trying to think about, and you just don't sleep well, right? Like, you go to bed, and you've got 10,000 thoughts running through your head. How do I fix this? What do I do about that? And this is one of those nights for Joseph. And before he ever gets this dream, I'm sure he's sitting there wondering, like, okay, I, I know I'm still going to have to go before the, the legal people, and they're going to know that I'm filing this divorce. And now they're going to be judging me of, oh, well, I'm not man enough to just have her killed. Like, he's got all these thoughts racing through his head. And all of his life and kind of the path and vision that he saw himself going on, like, I'm going I'm to be a father one day, and this is my wife, and I've got a trade. All of that had been upheaval. And all of it's crazy. And he finally, finally, probably because he's just absolutely exhausted, falls asleep. And then the craziness gets explained. Because you got an angel that comes to him in a dream and says, hey, this child, 
I know Mary has told you, hey, an angel came to me and told me I was going to give birth. Um, she's, not, she's not lying. She's not making that up. This child is from the Holy Spirit. And then he awakens after being told the gospel of, hey, your wife is going to give birth to God with us, Emmanuel. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Like, what an awesome dream to then wake up and go, okay, I I think I'll sleep better tonight. Like, yes, it's going to be a little different and our lives are going to look a little different, but oh my gosh, my wife is giving birth to the Messiah. My wife is giving birth to the one that I have been told stories of and I have read scripture of and I have had this anticipation to myself of waiting and now it's going to happen. Oh my gosh, we learn that unforeseen change can be from God. Like in this moment, Joseph didn't see that one coming. Like he didn't know that this was going to happen. But man, this change and craziness, this came from God. See, craziness doesn't have to always be chaos. A lot of times that's what we think of. Man, when life is crazy, it's just chaotic. Well, sometimes life just changes a little bit. It changed for Joseph, knowing that, okay, I'm still getting married to her, but our our first baby is going to be something to behold, (laughs) And it was just, hey, sometimes when God brings about change, he brings it about in order to continue glorifying himself. Like I remember years ago sitting down and being told, hey, your position's going in a different direction. You're going to have to look for something else. Man, that was craziness. But it wasn't always chaos. Like I could watch God working in that. And as I sit here today at South Point and knowing all the people and just getting the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Like, I can't, I can't fathom being anywhere else. I'm unbelievably thankful that God brought me here. Yes, there was change, but it was change that was brought on by God. Take some of the direction that we're having to go even this year. Was it a little bit crazy? Yeah. Was it all chaotic? Well, some of it was. But some of it was God going, hey, I'm, I'm going to do some things differently. And so, like, we had already planned on some point in 2020 being able to have an online service to where, hey, if we've got people that just need to stay home that day, or if we've got people that are traveling, or just the opportunity to reach out and use the resource like the internet that God has given us in this day and age, we wanted that to happen. And then COVID-19 said, we're going to speed that up some. And now we have an online community. And thank you so much for everyone that joins in on that and comments and worships and praises with us during this time. Like, as we've kind of looked and said, okay, we're going to have to move towards two services. And so we've said, hey, we're going to be one church with two services. Um, we kind of talked about it at length last week. And so 9 o'clock and then 10:15 uh, equipping class and then another service at 11:15. And so, yeah, some of that craziness has happened and we've had to go, okay, how do we fix these problems? What do we do with it? And yet, sometimes that's from God. And God going, hey, look at the things that I can do. Look how I can take you and your life can seem so crazy and then suddenly I go, you know what? Now's the time I'm going to move you to Abilene. Now's the time we're going to be able to spread out a little bit more. And so David's life is just a picture of, hey, sometimes when change and crazy happen, sometimes that's a blessing from God and you have to see it for what it is. And God can change things and still be glorified. Now look in Luke chapter 2, as if that wasn't enough for this young man. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. 
And Joseph went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Man, a long time before Mary and Joseph were even born, I love the magnitude of Christ's birth. Like people wonder, well, why was it at that time? That's a question for God. But even before Mary and Joseph were born, God was already at work doing things to bring about Jesus' birth, to fulfill prophecy. Because it says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. In 45 BC, there was a young man named Octavian. And his great uncle, a guy named Gaius Julius Caesar, decided, you know what? You seem pretty fit for leadership. I'm going to adopt you and make you my heir. At the time, he was basically dictator of life over Rome. And then a year later, he had a run-in with some senators, and they stabbed him to death. (laughs) Kind of ended poorly for Caesar. But because he was the heir, over the next decade of civil war and strife, this young man named Octavian eventually became Caesar Augustus, the first Caesar, and he restored a lot of stability to the country, the country that had occupied Israel 50 years before that. And so... Even before Mary and Joseph were born, God is at work 1,400 miles away doing things. Because it's one of his first acts. He goes, you know what? I kind of need to know how many people are in this empire. And so he says, hey, we're going to take a census. We do it every 10 years. Um, We also have electronics and things like that that make it a little bit easier. Um, In this day and age, it's a whole different story. Because he says, I want every person to go back to their hometown in these foreign countries that we've occupied. And you've got to register there. Mary and Joseph, they lived elsewhere. They were expecting a baby, and man, they had probably, <coughs> excuse me, already made plans, and this is where the birth is going to take place. This is who the midwife is going to be. We'll get the nursery ready, painted all the colors and things like that. We know it's going to be a boy. They, this is like the only time in history up until recent modern times, you realize, where they knew the gender of the baby beforehand. <laughs> kind of crazy. So they've got some planning they've done. And then 1,400 miles away, In a city that they will never visit, a guy says, you know what, let's do a census, and I want these people to go to their hometown. Joseph's hometown just happened to be, as we read, Bethlehem, which in Old Testament prophecy, we knew that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And so all of these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life, sometimes people try and go, you know what, it was all just smart thinking of get to this place and be here at this time, be from here. Mary and Joseph had no say whatsoever on giving birth in Bethlehem. That was decided by a pagan dude 1,400 miles away in Rome. And little did he know, with his words being spoken, that edict of go to your hometown for the census, he was fulfilling messianic prophecy in another country. God is really big and in control here. But man, did they get some crazy. Because now, he's got to take his very young pregnant wife, and he's got to get her to Bethlehem. It's about 80 miles away. And I know a lot of times we see those pictures, Mary on the, you know, on the donkey. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> she probably walked 80 miles, very pregnant. That's, that's difficult, to say the least. On top of that, people of ill repute that know, hey, some dude just said everybody's got to be traveling. We're going to just set up stations all over the place and just 
rob and murder people. So this is, this is the things that they're having to work through. This is the craziness that just got thrown on your, their lives. Hey, you got to go on an unforeseen trip. There's going to be financial costs to it that you weren't thinking about. It's going to be difficult because someone may rob you, and that would be the easiest thing. It's going to be tough because this young pregnant girl is going to have to walk all that way. Like all of these things. And then they get there, and they can't even find a place to stay. Like they can't even find a room to go into for this poor young girl to give birth. Like this is an unbelievable level of crazy in a young couple's lives. And yet, the baby was born. We know he was born safely. We know they at least had some type of shelter. Even had a little manger to put him in. Because when things get crazy, God still provides. God provided for this young couple in this moment. It's a wonder they got there without being hassled by somebody. That was God's provision saying, you know what? I'm clearing these roads. There is not anyone that is going to bring harm to you, Mary and Joseph, and that baby. I'm clearing the way. He provided them some type of shelter. You know, scholars go back and forth. Could have been a cave. Could have been a, you know, maybe a spare room at a, at a relative's house because they knew people in town. But they, we know they had some semblance of shelter. They weren't just out among the elements to just be stuck there. Like, God's still providing. He provided them in financial ways. Now, we know if you were here a couple Christmases ago, we talked about the wise men. The wise men were not there on the day of his birth. It says in Scripture, when they got there, he was a young boy. And so I messed up everybody's nativity scene and had people sending me pictures. And, like, they moved the wise men to the other side of the house. And that's usually what I do when I visit people's houses. Like, I just move them. Um, But we know that when those wise men came, they brought gifts. One of them was gold. (laughs) Love, like, frankincense and myrrh had a lot of worth, but I still think that they looked at that dude and were like, $50 limit, man. Like, who, who brings gold, man? So that got them out to Egypt safely. Like, we know that God provided amongst all the craziness. And so as we enter in a season where, man, there can be some angst and there can be some, what's going on, what are we doing? Stop for a moment and think, how is God providing for you? What has God done this year to provide and meet your needs? What comfort has he brought? What gift has he given that you have to stop and go, oh, I didn't even realize that was a blessing from God. Yeah, it seemed crazy, but somebody sent me a card one day. Yeah, life seems crazy, but I I opened the Bible one day and it just spoke to me. Like, he's providing in big, big ways. We need to be able to see what those are and to grow in them. And so I want to encourage you guys even. um, In the coming weeks, we have a gift for you um, because we want to be able to provide for our church. Um, There's a thing called Right Now Media. um, And one thing that we've really talked about is, okay, how how do we teach everyone in the church? Like, how do we teach ourselves? How do we feed ourselves? Like, if this is the only time of the week where if it's just a service on Sunday or maybe a Bible study somewhere, like, that's just not enough. Like, how do we daily feed ourselves? And right now, media is an online resource with thousands of Bible studies and videos and unbelievable, unbelievable content. You can finally hear good preaching. Like, it's, it's kind of that level of good. Um, and we're going to make that available for everyone. Uh, the church has an account now. As an account holder, what we have the access to is to give that to all of you for free. And so, Merry Christmas from South Point. We want to be able to provide resources even when you're not here so that you can see God is providing. God is blessing. God is doing things. 
And we'll have more information on that in the coming weeks, but I just wanted to go ahead and kind of put it out there of whether you're watching online or whether you're in person, we want you to be able to feed yourself and provide you with more resources because God, even in the craziness, he's still providing. I love that we live in a digital world where we've got that opportunity. And so one last little thing. Look in verse 8 of chapter 2. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with with fear. And the angel said to them, kind of like last week, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, or there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the shepherds had went away from them, or when the angels had went away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made note in the, the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told them. So at the same time that Mary and Joseph are swaddling this little baby and putting him in a manger and trying to start the recovery process, and man, let's... Let's just de- let's detox and decom- or, uh, decompress for a moment. I almost said decompose, not that. Uh, not, not that, Barry, not that, Joseph. But they just need a moment. Like, they've just had a lot going on. At the same time, out in some nearby fields, there was a group of shepherds. And you need to know, like, we talked about this in our Lions meeting the other day. Like, shepherds were an interesting group. Um, most of them were probably illiterate. Um, you didn't have to have a degree to be a shepherd. Uh, you didn't have to be able to read to be a shepherd. You just went and spent time with animals. And it was pretty lowly. It was looked down upon. It was one of the bottom rungs of society. And I love that the first people that get to hear about the birth of Jesus being proclaimed to them are from this lowly stand. It wasn't kings and it wasn't royalty. It was a bunch of illiterate shepherds. You also have to understand shepherds didn't live the most like, exciting life. It's like, what are we going to do tonight? Watch animals. I mean, exciting for them is, okay, something's attacking them, and so I get to, like, fend for them, and that's, that's about it. Like, they just don't have a lot of excitement in their lives. This night was not a chill night. <laughs> They're sitting there probably having the same conversations because, I mean, what do you talk about after nights and nights and nights of just being around the animals? What would you name that one? James. Okay. And then they just go back to their lives, and suddenly an angel appears to them. And I love the same thing, fear. This wasn't some precious moments thing. This was a very big angel that terrified them, and they're afraid. And again, the angel knows what to say. Hey, fear not, because i got to tell you some good news. Jesus has been born, and you're going to have the opportunity to go and see him. And then if that's not enough, and there's got to be light coming from this angel, it says the heavens just basically rip open and there's a multitude of angels and they're like, they're just proclaiming who God is and I have to imagine they're singing, it's like a musical just blew up in their lives. And like, 
these are people that don't see light at night outside of the stars. And they just suddenly got thrown into a concert kind of moment. Like this is absolute craziness for them. And they're sitting there and they're just watching these angels come by and glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. And this is rotation. And then they, they go back up into heaven and they're just standing there like, what just happened? Did you put something in my drink? Like one of these weird, weird moments. And they kind of had to ask like, was that real? Did, did you see that? Okay, I saw it too. Kind of hard to miss, yeah. And they have this moment where it's like, okay, do we, do we leave these animals that are our entire livelihood? Like, if stuff could come and get them. But did you see that? I think we need to listen. And so it says, they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. When things get crazy, respond with obedience. They could have stayed. They could have stayed and, you know, for sure the animals would have been there. Their livelihood wouldn't have changed. But they said, hey, I think we need to be obedient. I think we need to go to Bethlehem. And they went to Bethlehem and they made their way through the town. They found exactly what had been told to them. They find this little baby swaddling clothes. And this is a group of guys that probably are not holding babies a lot. (laughs) These are not your hey, call one of the shepherds. We need a date night. Well, I'm come over and watch the kids. This was not their thing. And yet these men were blown away by this baby laying in this manger. And man, they began to sing and they began to praise and they began to glorify what God had done all from obedience. And we're called to that same obedience. Yeah, even when things are crazy. And this this has absolutely blown me away. I love watching the church, even during a period like this, and to watch the level of obedience and level of worship and, and unity. And God, we, man, we pray for that. We pray for it for other churches in our community, in the world. Like, that's the big church calling. Like, we're called, even when times are crazy. And look, as crazy as our year has been, it's just been crazy because we're kind of pampered and we don't live in situations like what these people are living in. Man, life was crazy for generations here. They had known oppression. They had known being taken away from their, their cities and their country and been enslaved. Like these people understood craziness, and yet they walked in obedience, and we've been called to walk in that same obedience. And so, yeah, when things get crazy and uncle so-and-so shows up and you just really don't want to be around uncle so-and-so, love them. <laughs> love them like Jesus loved them. And when you look at family situations and work situations and this kind of party and this is going on, love them like Jesus loved them. We walk obediently in good and we walk obediently in crazy. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, thank you. Thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for never, ever having a moment where you look at something and go, I'm surprised. Because, God, I take a lot of comfort in that. In every one of these situations, God, when finite people looked at stuff and said, I don't understand this, you had the complete picture in mind. And, God, as we celebrate the birth of Christ this, this year and this season, I pray that we never forget that, yes, that was just the beginning. And, God, he would lay his life down later. And the story would continue. God, I can't 
wait for the day when it really looks crazy to us. And we hear some trumpet sound, and then he's back. We love you. Thank you for this time. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.